On this episode of RevHang, Ben and I talk about the three MotoGP races we've missed and the Formula One Singapore Grand Prix. Let's do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to RevHang. I'm your host, Nathan Nevue, and alongside me today is my fellow citizen of Earth and co-host, Ben Bagley. How's it going, Ben? Pretty good. Just moved into a, a new house, a little bit closer to the job, so it's, uh, it's a pretty nice commute. That's always nice. Get a, get a shorter commute than you used to. Yep, and I got a, <laughs> a big, brand new, nice TV to watch all these Formula One races on. Fantastic. That's the best news I've heard all day. <laughs> um, so, to address the elephant in the room, possibly, uh, this episode is coming out about a week late. I have been sick and unable to talk for the last few days, and I'm still getting over it a little bit, so if I sound a little off, that would be why. And uh, if my voice starts getting crackly at the end of this, that would also be why. <laughs> um, but uh, while F1 was on a mini break from Singapore, uh, before Singapore, MotoGP gave us a triple header to enjoy. So let's start with the Aragon Grand Prix. Uh, let's see. So it was in Aragon, Spain. Uh, we'll start with qualifying to give you some context. Top 10 were Francesco Bagnaia, Jack Miller, Enea Bastianini, Alais Espargaro, Johan Zarco, Fabio Quartararo, Marco Bedzecchi, Jorge Martin, Alex Rins, and Brad Bender. Uh, so at the beginning of the race, Bagnaia got the best jump on the start and pulled a pretty sizable gap to the field. Um, on lap one, uh, coming out of the second turn actually, Quartararo crashed out. Uh, he ran into the back of Marc Marquez who had a little bit of an oversteer moment. Um, so Quartararo actually had a pretty rough, rough tumble there. Um, it took him a little bit to get up, but he was okay and was able to uh, race the next week. But that was his race uh, for that week, done and dusted. Um, so later on that lap, Takanakagami and Mark Marquez came together, uh, and they both ended up retiring from the race as a result of that collision. So Mark Marquez took out two people that race. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunate for him because he also ended up retiring. But, uh, you know, he's a seven-time world champion or something like that. So uh, I don't think it's too much of a stain on his uh, reputation. <laughs> um, on lap eight, Jack Miller started to drop back a few positions, uh, losing out to Anea Bastianini, Brad Bender, and Alesa Spargaro. Um, then not much happened in the middle of the race, uh, so on lap 22, Espargaro was able to pass Bender and take the last podium spot, and then on the last lap, Bastianini made a great overtake on Banyaya for the lead of the race. So, the results of the race, uh, first five, uh, was Enea Bastianini, Francesco Banyaya, Alessa Espargaro, Brad Bender, and Jack Miller. 6-10 through 10 were Jorge Martin, Luca Marini, Johan Zarco, Alex Rins, and Marco Bedzecchi. 11-15 through 15 were Miguel Oliveira, Alex Marquez, Maverick Vinales, Cal Crutchlow, and Paul Espargaro. And uh, rounding off the finishers 16-20 through 20 was Remy Gardner, Franco Morbidelli, Darren Bender, Fabio DiGianantonio, and Raul Fernandez in 20th. Um... And then we had three DNFs, and they were Mark Marquez, Fabio Cordoraro, and Taka Nakagami. Yep, and then uh, right. yeah, all the way from Spain to Japan uh, for the Motegi GP? Something like that. Yeah, uh, Japanese GP. Uh, just to jump right into qualifying, uh, we'll go over the, the top five just really quick. We got Mark Marquez in that first spot. And then right behind him, we have Johan Zarco, Brad Bender, Maverick Vinales, and Jorge Martin. Uh, so some talking points from this race. Uh, Spargo had to pit after the formation lap, not something you see super often, uh, especially in MotoGP, and had to start from the pit lane. Uh, it's definitely more of a Formula One. George Russell can emphasize with that. Brad Bender took an early lead from Miller on the start of the race, and Martin was able to snatch the lead by the end of lap one. So a whole bunch of movement at the start, uh, about five laps in. Yep. Miller actually uh, took the lead from Martin. Fortunately, Cordoraro, uh, who had a, a pretty good early season, uh, was stuck in the midfield in the early stage of the race and 
just wasn't really able to dig himself out of that hole. With about 10 laps to go, we had Bender crash out, uh, allowing Spargo to gain one position close for the points. On the next lap, we had Renz forced to pit and retire the bike uh, for mechanical problems, so he didn't crash this time. It's really good to hear for him. Uh, in the second half sort of the of. race... Sorry? I said sort of. Sort <laughs> of good to hear. <laughs> it's good yeah. that he didn't crash. <laughs> yeah. You know, you get tired of crashing eventually. Uh, on a motorcycle, yeah. it hurts probably a bit more than a car. But uh, I could imagine, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, in the second half of the race, we had Jack Miller just gap the field. He pulled out a five-second lead, which for races that have less than 30 laps is pretty impressive. Uh, these MotoGP yeah, races that... are always super close together. Yeah, it doesn't happen that often in MotoGP. Yeah, so he just took off. And then the last lap, we had Bender pass Martin, and then Ben Yaya crashed out after trying to make a last-minute move on Cordero. It ended, of course, with Miller crossing the line in a full wheelie. Uh, in order to take the win, which I haven't really seen a MotoGP where they've actually done a whole bunch of wheelies. <laughs> yeah, because they don't. <laughs> there's not usually a five second gap to second place. <laughs> Fair um, enough. But yeah, no, it's fun. Fun to see him cross the line. He hasn't won in a while. I think that's his fourth win in his career. He's had um, so many like bright so. spots, but he's never actually been able to convert it to a a first place super often. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, that he's a Ducati rider. Um, and I just saw an article today, I didn't read too much into it, but I saw that he was unhappy with the rel his relationship with Ducati and felt like he was kind of being uh, pushed to the side, kind of feels like an outcast in that team because there's other uh, huge talents in that team. Yeah. Um, so interesting, interesting stories there. Uh, but, you know, I mean, he's winning races, so yeah. uh, Ducati can't, can't, can't complain too much. Yeah, hard to be too angry about that. Speaking of winning races, uh, we can go over the positions, the full positions for this race. And first, we had the wheeling Jack Miller, followed by Brad Bender, Jorge Martin, Mark Marquez, and then Miguel Oliveira in fifth. And sixth, we have Luca Marini, Maverick Vinales, Fabio Cordero in eighth. We had Enea Bastianini. Marco Bizzecchi, Johan Zarco, Polo Spargaro, and Alex Marquez in 13th. Uh, and then we have Franco Morbidelli, Cal Crutchlow, Elias Spargaro, Fabio Di Gianantonio, yep, nailed it, Raul Fernandez, Remy Gardner, and Takanakagami rounding out the finishers in 20th. We had five DNFs, and they were Benyaya, Renz, Binder, Suda, and Nagashima. Yep. Uh, another thing to note is we've had a lot of like new faces in the MotoGP pattern. That's what I noticed. I thought uh, I had all the name pronunciations down, and then there were a whole bunch of curveballs uh, that I didn't know how to pronounce. Yeah, we got a couple more Japanese riders uh, in MotoGP. Um, I keep having to expand all of the standings pages on our website, uh, revhang.com. Check it out. Uh, <laughs> but um, we also have Cal Crutchlow, who was a, a big name a few years ago in MotoGP, and he's been out for at least a year, if not two. I, I don't remember off the top of my head. But he's come back, and he's uh, not doing too bad for just getting back into it. He's uh, finishing up in the bottom half of the points, usually, which is uh, not bad for someone who's you know just starting out, really, again. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool to see from him. Uh, so moving on to the Thai Grand Prix um, in Buriram, Thailand. Uh, with qualifying, top 10, we had Marco Bezzecchi, Jorge Martin, Francesco Magni, ah, Francesco Bagnaia, <laughs> uh, Fabio Cordero, Johan Zarco, Enea Bastianini, Jack Miller, Mark Marquez, Luca Marini, and Alex Rins rounding out the top 10. So this race was, uh, it was a wet race. It was the first wet race we've had this season in MotoGP. Um, started wet. Um, there was spray everywhere. I, I honestly don't know how you can race a motorcycle in those conditions. Like, I don't care if you have wet tires. Like, it's it's ridiculous. It's gotta, uh, the amount of go power it. going to the... Yeah. Just the amount of torque and power going to the rear wheels. It just doesn't seem like it should be... It, it could even be remotely drivable, but... Um, that's why they're the best in the world, right? <laughs> um, so, unfortunately, 
Luca Marini slid out on lap one, ending his race. And I do believe this is his first DNF. I think they were saying that, uh, the commentators. He's had like 35 races, um, and he's completed all of them, I think, so far. So pretty good run for him. That's not that's a, that's a long streak in, in MotoGP for sure. Yeah. Um, but Miller took the early lead of the race uh, as the as most of the field was just trying to stay upright on two wheels. Uh, but Miguel Oliveira was kind of the shining star of this race. He made his way quickly up to P two um, on lap five, um, and then it was just uh, kind of a war of attrition. Um, well, there weren't a lot of DNFs, but um, Everyone was just kind of taking it easy, trying to get to the end of the race. Um, so it was kind of business as usual until the end. But with two laps to go, Miguel Oliveira was able to take the lead from Miller and then held him off for the last two laps to win the race. Uh, his first uh, first victory in, uh, well, this year for sure. I don't know if he's won. I think he's won one race before this, but I could be wrong. I don't have all of the MotoGP stats flying around in my head like I do with Formula One. <laughs> um, but speaking of results for MotoGP races, the results for this race, uh, starting with the top five, were Miguel Oliveira, Jack Miller, Francesco Bagnaia, Johan Zarco, and Marc Marquez. Six through ten was Enea Bastianini, Maverick Vinales, Alex Marquez, Jorge Martin, and Brad Bender. 11 through 15 was Alais Espargaro, Alex Rins, Franco Morbidelli, Paul Espargaro, and Raul Fernandez. 16 through 20 was Marco Bedzecchi, Fabio Cordararo, Fabio Di Gian Antonio, Cal Crutchlow, and Danilo Petrucci. And then 21 through 23, rounding off the finishers, were Darren Bender, Tetsusa, uh, Nagashima, and Luca Marini, who actually DNF'd. Uh, so there were 22 finishers, actually. And then um, the other DNF was Remy Gardner. All right. So, so moving got, on. Uh, yeah. Paddock news next. Paddock news next. Um, this is going to be kind of our, I, I, I used our Zoomer rumors as kind of our Paddock news for a while. And then none of them ended up ever being rumors. So I'm splitting it out into its own segment. We just got our Paddock news segment. Um, and I think this is going to be kind of universal for all of motorsports. Uh, if we've got other series we don't really talk about too much, uh, if big things happen in those, we might bring those into here just to cover that quickly. Um, so, for example, uh, Finnish driver Kalle Rovanpara has sealed the World Rally, uh, the World Rally Championship with his co-driver Jean Jona uh, Haltinen, I think is how you say that. Um, but Revan Parra became the youngest driver to win the championship by a margin of over five years at just 22 years of age. What were you doing when you were 22? What am I doing right now? Uh, podcasting. <laughs> That's what I was oh. doing when I was 22. <laughs> yeah, last uh, this year man's... I was, yeah, I definitely wasn't winning WRC. That's for sure. No, that's that's for sure. Um, neither of us were even in WRC, unfortunately. Any WRC teams wanting some pro-am action, just hit us up. We are more than happy to oblige. <laughs> Alright, so yeah, he became the youngest driver to win the championship at 22 years of age. Um, next, uh, next youngest was actually the legend of the sport, Colin McRae, who was 27 when he won his first championship. Um, so that's quite a margin. Like, in Formula One, the the youngest championship winner has always kind of just the margins always come down by like a year or two at a time. But it's a five year jump, and uh, Colin McRae was driving like what twenty five years ago. So that's uh, was it that long ago? I think so, because he was he was a Subaru driver when Subaru was like getting big on the scene with the with the WRX. It's like the early two 2000- thousand. So, well, I mean, I think he, yeah, he was, he was driving in the early 2000s, but I think he won his first championship in the late 90s, but I could have that mixed up. I have to look that uh, up after this is done, because right. I'm genuinely interested now. Yeah, maybe, well, maybe in the uh, off season we could do an episode on WRC, since we're doing <laughs> one on Le Mans anyway. Yeah, um, I kind of grew up with Colin Ricard as like a household name, essentially. Yeah. He was so u- ubiquitous. Yeah, as I say it, uh, With. even outside of just rally fans. Yeah, 
he's a huge name in in uh in racing that would make me feel um, even older if it was really <laughs> that long ago maybe but regardless it, it it stood for probably at least 15 20 years that record um if not longer um, but moving on to some other paddock news uh moving to f1 the well it's f1 and indycar the 2023 calendars have been released uh we have our official schedules we are going back to portland and indycar which i'm excited about because i didn't get to go this year so hopefully i'll get to go next year i might even road trip down to laguna seca oh man um that'd be fun i mean it's really not that far you say that well, that's what 14 hours yeah i can that's do a that. long time to drive you well, when think i used I used to live out in the Rockies, and it takes me like 13 hours to get to my old stomping grounds, so <laughs> uh, yes. I'm used to it, but you do have to drive through. I always get super ambitious on a lot of desert. I always get super ambitious on road trips. I'm like, oh yeah, I can do that easy. Just two driving students take a half hour nap, and we're good. By the time I hit eight hours, I'm like, no, nah, I'm ready to be done. Yeah, that's fair. It's usually bad, like, I get to eight hours and I'm, I'm hurting, but then once I get to a certain point, then I kind of hit my second wind and I'm good for another few hours. Um, but anyway, back on track. Um, yeah, we have Portland again. Uh, I'm trying to see. We have the new Streets of Detroit circuit. Uh, we're not, not driving at Bell Island anymore. Um, you think it'll be better than the, uh, the last Streets of Detroit circuit? What do you mean? Wait, no, I, I got that mixed up with another track. Disregard. Okay, disregarded. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then in the uh, F1 calendar, we have, of course, the new Las Vegas track uh, coming at the very end of the season, which I actually wasn't expecting. I thought it was going to be more of a springtime, kind of maybe they do that after Miami kind of thing, but uh, it looks like they're splitting all of the U.S. races up, which makes total sense in terms of logistics. Yep. Yeah, it's not Sarcasm. a far trip at all to go from Mexico to Brazil and then back to Las Vegas. Oh yeah, the bad Even... one. Let's see. Where was uh there were there was a couple really there's a couple really bad turnarounds. Let's see, you go from Spain to Canada to Austria is pretty bad. Uh yeah. Miami. Is it Azerbaijan to Miami to Imola in Italy? That's pretty bad. And there's Japan to, to Qatar to US. And then, yeah, it's just a mess. I don't know. Ooh, there's a Spain to Canada to Austria. Got Canada um, back, but what cost? Right. <laughs> I like Canada, though. Um, we also have Belgium back this year. Just for this year, confirmed so far. Uh, it very well could be the last time we have Spa on the calendar, which would be very, very sad. But uh, that is very much a possibility. I think Monaco was renewed for at least three or four years. Might have been five even. It it was a while. I think I want to say it was until twenty twenty five, but I can't. That that sounds right because they might try to they might kick it off once the new regulations hit with the new engines. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So that's the kind of overview of the twenty twenty three calendars for two of those series. Um, and then just recently, it is Saturday evening when we are recording this um, before Japan. So we, we actually do know qualifying order for Japan already, but we don't know the results yet. Um, but some news we got last night was Pierre Gasly has been confirmed to go to Alpine next year. And then Nick DeVries is taking his spot at AlphaTauri. Oh, man. What do you think the, uh, the atmosphere is going to be like at Alpine with Gasly and Alcon? Don't they not really like each other? You know, they have history. They've both said that they think they can be professionals and work past it, and they know that for the good of the team, they have to work together. But if you look at history, especially with Alcon, when he doesn't get along with his teammates, like <laughs> he will just crash into them. <laughs> yes. It, it's, uh, it's kind of become one of his uh, <laughs> uh, negative marks, I guess, is that if he can't play well with somebody, then he really can't play well with somebody. Um, he had a lot of problems with uh, Perez when they were on the same team at uh, Force India. Right, yeah. 
Um, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, it has been a long time since uh, I think they had some sort of... They had a fight when they were kids, I think, back in karting even. So it's been a while, and I'm sure they've probably grown up quite a bit since then. Um, hopefully they can they can make it work. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of Zuma rumors earlier, let's move on to that segment. Uh, name is still up in the air. Please hit us up on Twitter. We can change it. We want to change it. Cowards. <laughs> um, so Red Bull and Aston Martin have uh, allegedly breached the budget cap in 2021, according to is, random sources. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, if it if they have. Uh, I think the rumor is that Aston Martin has a significant breach and Red Bull has a pretty minor breach. Uh, I don't know, man. It's like the rules are there for a reason. So I feel like they have to be punished pretty harshly. But if they were to overturn the driver's championship from last year, that would just <laughs> stir up everything all over again. And it would it would just make F1 look so bad. Yeah, they, they can't touch the results from last year. They have to do something looking forward. Yeah, um, probably a fine or maybe a 15 or maybe even bigger, maybe like a 25, 30 point penalty in the next season's championship or something. I feel like that would be fair. Yeah, or because uh, maybe they take the money out of their budget for next season or something. Yeah, well, I always thought I thought one of my my ideas to fix this budget cap issue was when when a team goes over why don't you find them like either $1 or $2 for every dollar that they go over the budget? Yeah. So that way, once they hit that wall, then they're going to be penalized. But I mean, I guess the problem with that is it seemed like Red Bull's not going to care at that point. Yeah. They have, they have fine money up the walls. They can pay any fine. Right. So I don't know. They're going to have to figure out a way to penalize the teams if they have broken that rule but uh, that is all speculation and we will find out on monday whether that's the case yep needless to say i'm glad i'm not in charge of punitive action for the fia <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> it seems like no matter who's in that spot they're just always going to get heat um but it is a very important job to do correctly so um you know we'll see what happens we're rooting uh, for the fia budget guy yeah <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're in your corner, no matter which way it goes, <laughs> unless you choose wrong. But, you know, yeah. that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> um, so the Haas seat is still up in contention. Um, the kind of main rumor right now is that it's going back and forth between Mick Schumacher and Nico Hulkenberg, who could make a reappearance. <sighs> now, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this. I'm... I don't... I'm really struggling with the decision to potentially replace Schumacher. Because, I mean, spoiler alert, he did crash during one of the practices uh, for the Japanese Grand Prix and ended up missing FP2, I think. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, I, obviously, he's made his fair share of mistakes, that's for sure, especially early in the season. Uh, Miami comes to mind, especially. But... He's outqualified Magnuson a fair amount of races. Yeah. This season. And some of those races early on, he was able to convert. Uh so I'm I'm kind of struggling with the decision to immediately cycle out a new driver when clearly he's been improving. Uh I mean if I were in Gunther's shoes, I'd want to ride it out for I don't know, maybe another year even, but yeah, uh, I guess they're itching for some results, but based on what Magnuson has been doing with the car, I'm not sure what more result they're expecting. Yeah, that's the thing is like Magnuson's not not been you know super great. He's had some bad luck with black and orange flags and stuff, but you could argue that he caused those collisions in part. So, um, you know, it's hard. I think Schumacher has been unfairly criticized. Well, not unfairly criticized. Um, I think he's gotten too much criticism, or harsh criticism, too harsh of criticism, criticism, I can't talk. Yeah, we'll go with that. Um, cause, uh, 
Yeah, I think he's been doing okay considering it's his second year in the sport. Um, last year doesn't regulations. Really right, last year we all know that Haas was a tractor. So um, this year he's like driving a car that's somewhat, kind of somewhat competitive in the back of the midfield. Um, can occasionally score points. Um, could he have done better in some situations? Absolutely. But so can Magnussen. So I, I think that people are coming down a little too tough on him. Maybe that's because of his last name. Um, I think that's a two-edged sword having that last name is because that might be a reason he was pulled into F1 so quickly, but it could also be a reason that people feel like he's not meeting expectations. Yeah, yeah. and that Haas car... Uh, I know that the team has been pretty proud of, well, in the past, they were pretty proud of earlier in the season, uh, how few upgrades they had to make in order to be competitive with even upper midfield. Yeah. Uh, but it seems that's now kind of quieting them now that they're not upgrading at the same rate as other teams. And they've, it seems they've really fallen behind. Yeah. I don't know. Haas has definitely dropped off at the end of the year. Um, yeah, it's, it doesn't seem like the same team that we were seeing those first three or four races. Yeah. So if I were Haas, I'd probably give Schumacher one more year um, before replacing him. They say they don't want to work with any more rookies. I think that's kind of the rumor that I've heard. Uh, so if they do replace him, it's going to be with someone that, that's either been an F1. Well, yeah, someone that's been an F1 most likely. So that's that's looking like Ricardo or Hulkenberg. Uh, or even Giovinazzi, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but, you know, that's, that's all speculation. Um, and then Daniel Ricciardo, I have in my script here that he's speaking in riddles about his future, but about three hours before this podcast, we started recording this, he, uh, he basically just stated in an interview that he is not going to be on the grid next year. Uh, Everybody replied... We know. Yeah, we know. <laughs> it was kind of a sinking feeling we all had. None of us really wanted that. Um, it makes sense. He's just not been performing the last couple of years. Uh, I don't think that that's entirely representative of his skill. I think part of it is he just hasn't clicked with the McLaren car. Um, but I mean, in this sport, you got to perform, or you're gonna you're gonna sink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he's he's kind of starting to see some upward momentum at Renault, uh, which is kind of how I was disappointed with him going to McLaren. All of McLaren seems like a really strong team. Yeah, uh, and they're still, I mean, they're still duking it out for fourth place, best of the rest. But uh, yeah, they're not as strong as I envisioned them being this year. And I think Ricardo lacks kind of. He's a great driver, but I think he lacks a lot of the the technical ability of some other drivers to give feedback and get their car dialed in perfectly. Uh, I think maybe taking a year off would be good so we can maybe uh, own in the simulator and just, you know, get more familiar with how to set up a car himself and voice feedback so that it works for him. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think the, the sabbatical will be good. He says he's got stuff in the works for 2024. So I don't know if he's going to stay on the grid as a reserve driver. I think Mercedes has extended that option to him, or at least there have been talks of that. Um, I I really hope that he does some like IRL racing, not just development work next year. Uh, I really think he would love IndyCar if he jumped to IndyCar. Oh, I know he wants to be an F1 driver, and that's his dream. Um but he's done that. He's won races. He's got so many podiums. Like it's he, he never won the championship, granted, but at this point in his career, he he's probably not gonna. Even if he comes back, he's not probably not gonna be at a top team. No, but if he went to IndyCar, yeah, it doesn't matter what team he's at, as long as he knows how to set up a car. I mean, some teams have more resources, granted. But I think the track to a championship is much easier for him in IndyCar than it is in Formula One. Plus, I know how much he loves the United States. He lives in Los Angeles. So hang out with Will Power. Hang out with Will Power. You've got tons of XF1 drivers, Roman Grosjean, Marcus Ericsson. I mean, 
Plus, it's... I mean, he already has such a huge fan base in the U.S. Oh, yeah. Like, if most, <laughs> I would say more people here know who Danny Ricardo is than Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, I think so, like, too. I, I, don't think, I don't think that's out of... <laughs> I don't think that's a stretch. He's yeah. He's probably the most popular F1 driver, at least in the United States, if not the world. Um... So it's going to be sad to see him go, but, you know, I think he's got great stuff in his future. I just really hope he doesn't throw away his racing career trying to chase a Formula One goal that's not super likely. Come to IndyCar. It'll be great. It'll be so much fun. IndyCar, NASCAR, honestly, anywhere in America, I think he'll have a blast. But, all right. So, Ben, do you want to take over for the Formula One Singapore Grand Prix? Yeah, I give your, your voice a break a little bit. I appreciate it. Yeah, so it was a wet one out there in Singapore. Uh, this is a street circuit, wet street circuit, so it's tight. There's no grip. Uh, it's at night, so you got to rely on the street lights and the track lights to show you where the racing line is. A lot of drivers had a problem with that. Uh, so with that in mind, going into qualifying, we have Leclerc on pole, followed by Perez, Hamilton, Sainz, Alonso in fifth. And then we got Norris, Gasly, Verstappen in eighth, notably. Uh, Magnussen right behind him, followed by Tsunoda. Uh, another notable thing to talk about is that Russell took a power unit change, uh, yep. which resulted in him having to start from the pit slash 20th place at the start of the race. Yep. And speaking of the start of the race, uh, Perez really had a, a good start, and Ricardo did too, actually looking from oh, the, yeah. the driver camps as I went back. But he had a, Perez especially, had a, a great race, and since he was in that second spot in the front of the row, he was able to get into the turnaround really fast and head off Leclerc. Uh, Verstappen was struggling. Uh, it's a really tight track. There's not a lot of places for him to kind of dive bomb or really put that Red Bull power to the ground when it was so wet, and it was a wet track for a long time. Uh, it wasn't until yeah. about halfway through the race that drivers started being able to switch to slicks, even start. Albon spun his car in lap one. It was unfortunate, but it's also kind of entertaining to watch all the cars coming down. <laughs> and just in the background, you see a Williams <laughs> just kind of spin going backwards. into the border. <laughs> yeah. What the? Uh, I, so that was yeah. entertaining, but that was unfortunate. But Another thing his... I thought was... Something I thought was really funny was that Crofty, when commentating, immediately assumed that it was Latifi. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Latifi eventually got jealous of all the attention that Albon got. He said, hey, spinning's a neat trick. Uh, And then he decided, but that's not for a few laps. Six laps, actually. Uh, But Verstappen and Magnussen got to a scrap. Not something you usually see. Magnussen ended up coming away from that with a damaged end plate. He got meatball flagged, uh, which is really unfortunate. I think it was maybe a little a little uncalled for. I understand the need to have drivers pull into the pits under flag to force them to change out parts, but it seemed pretty inconsequential to me, and I think he probably would have uh, fared fine without it. Yeah. But that's just me. Yeah. Uh, here on lap seven, six laps after his teammate crashed, Latifi cut across in front of Joe and ended both their race and caused a safety car. Uh, super unfortunate for Joe. And yeah, that's about it for that. Um, he got a five. Yeah, he got a penalty? five place. Yeah, five, five place, place penalty, penalty for Japan. Uh, so he'll Sounds- be starting 25th. Yep. For the Japanese Grand Prix. <laughs> yeah, instead of starting 20th, he'll start 20th. He's such a good driver that he'll, he'll make it seem like he's still starting 20th. Yeah, nullifying penalties left and right. What a legend. Yeah. <laughs> Just can't stick. Uh, okay, Latifi Slender over. On to lap 21, Alonso had a certified Alpine engine moment. Uh, <laughs> it started to make some very cool sounds from his engine compartment. Had to pull over. And was out of the race there. Super unfortunate. It was his 350th race, uh, yep. which beats Kimi Raikkonen's record for most number of races in 
F1. Yeah, that was an unfortunate way to end his race. But he oh, he had such great pace, and he had such a great qualifying. Oh, he was holding off for Stappen so well. It was so much fun to watch. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what could have been on lap 33... Hamilton locked up, went into the wall, uh, but luckily he was able to rejoin the race right between Norris and Verstappen and continue fighting for that spot. On lap 36, just three laps after, Sinoda locked up and went into the wall pretty hard. Uh, that ended his race, started another safety car. This is a very indie car, number of safety cars, really. Yeah, it's kind of kind of crazy. Nashville music, or uh, Nashville music GP for <laughs> yeah. a moment there. Yeah. Uh, where were we? Oh yeah, 33 left in the race, 33 minutes that is, as they went to a timed race since they delayed for so long because of rain. Uh, Verstappen locked up his brakes while trying to overtake Norris. Uh, he managed to flat spot his tires pretty good and had a pit because of it. Russell and Schumacher came together, both cars punctured. Um, in my opinion, that definitely looked like Russell's fault. Oh, it was a hard Russell's no fault. Room. It was, uh... Either crash into or, yeah, steer back into the corner or go into the wall. Yeah. So that was a little annoying to watch, but also yeah, and then Russell blamed. <laughs> yeah, went on the radio him. immediately. No, that's not how this works. Yeah. But uh, anyways, that brings us to the end of the race. Verstappen just desperately clawing any positions he can get. Uh, he finally makes it past Hamilton and Vettel, and he takes seventh place. But the big news is Perez in first. That's his third wet street course win. Which, if I had a nickel for every single time Perez won on a wet street course, I'd have three nickels. Was it wet in Azerbaijan that that one year? What? No. Because he won... Wait. Hold on. No, because he won Monaco, which was wet this year, and then he yeah. won Baku. Or no, he didn't win Baku this year. He won Baku last year, but I don't think it was wet. Oh, but anyway, he's the he's the street circuit king. That's what all, yes. all that matters there. Yep. And this season, he's the wet street circuit king. Yep. There you go. Pretty impressive delineation there. Uh, so, yeah. Jar of the Day, Perez, uh, he deserved it 100%. And the fastest lap went to Russell, as he was so far down anyways. They decided to just try to get a uh, fastest lap, which he did. Unfortunately, didn't matter. He ended 14th out of the points. Yep, so he doesn't get a point for fastest lap. But All to right. go over the full results, this is a, a DNF heavy race. We had Perez in first, followed by Leclerc in Symes. That's a 2-3 for Ferrari. Not quite the first place they're looking for, but it's better than failing engines. Uh, followed by them, we had Norris and Ricardo. Uh, really good result for McLaren that we haven't seen a whole lot for both drivers this season. Followed by Stroll in sixth. Who would have thunk? Uh, Verstappen seventh, behind Stroll, and we have uh, Fettel, Hamilton, and Gasly rounding out the points. Followed by Bottas, Magnussen, Schumacher, and Russell, who got that fastest slot, but since he finished 14th, does not get the point. For DNS, we had Sunoda who crashed out. Both Alpines, Alcon, and Alonso had engine failures. We had Albon with a crash, Latifi with a crash, and Joe who's crashed out by Latifi. Yep. Yeah, so that was a. Uh, the middle part was kind of boring. A lot of racers just kind of waiting for the track to dry out so they could uh, make use of better tire strategies on slicks. But the, yep. the first part and the last part of the race were really entertaining to watch for me. Yeah, the last part was great. Watching uh, Leclerc try to hunt down Perez. Uh, and then Perez here, he might have a penalty, and so he just took off. Um, yeah, it was great drive by Perez. Um, it was a pretty good result for Ferrari. I know they wanted the win, but uh, they made ground on Verstappen, which doesn't really matter at this point. <laughs> No, not really, um, but as a team, it definitely doesn't hurt their standing fighting against Mercedes. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, Renault, or Alpine, I guess, rather, <laughs> mm. uh, they uh, they both had engine failures, so they're both going into Japan with new engines, presumably. Yep, wonderful. So Which, 
I don't no, they didn't get a neither of them got grid penalties, so oh. like, actually I would say that the Alpine has had the most reliable engine this year. If they're you know, going on with their last engine. You might actually be right about that. I thought they had a lot more problems, but No, because I remember the last time I remember Alpine having engine problems was in Canada when Alonso had a some issue. Oh, oh yeah, you're right. That uh, was a while ago. Wow. Yeah. Perception of time is skewed. It's very odd, yeah. <laughs> um it's really Ferrari that's had the most engine problems, but even then I feel like they've they've started to get on top of that maybe a little bit. Uh, uh, but it might now be a that I've said that, to say there, but yeah, yeah. Now that I've said that, they're gonna have double engine failure in Japan, right? <laughs> we still have four races left to go. Let's not uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. So, Albon was able to make it back after his surgery, getting uh his appendix removed. It was yep, awesome boy. to see him back on track. I was actually really, really surprised. That he was able to do that race. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously ended a little early for him. Right. But still. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's three weeks removed. There. Three weeks removed from a from a surgery that, I mean, had complications. And he, like, literally almost died. Like, uh, and he's three weeks later back in a car. And at, at the most demanding track on the calendar, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, no small feet. Yeah. Um Carlos Sainz struggled this race. He uh he just struggled for pace. He could not keep up. I mean he ended up third, so it wasn't like he had a bad result, but he could not keep up with Perez and Leclerc to save his life. Yeah, I noticed that about a, a couple of drivers who really should have been going faster, uh, but just couldn't seem to find the pace. Uh Sainz yeah, ha- especially Hamilton. one of them. Hamilton yeah. was one of them. Yeah, so maybe it was just uh, challenging track conditions, but all of these drivers have been at Singapore before, I'm pretty sure. Except for Joe, Latifi, uh, Tsunoda, and Schumacher, I think. Yeah, so like Sainz, Hamilton, especially uh, Verstappen struggling at this circuit was kind of interesting to see. Yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, in other news, let's move on to the championship standings. Uh, let's see, what do we got in terms of interesting things to note in the constructors? McLaren jumps over Alpine, uh, so they now have a four-point lead on Alpine going into Japan. Um, Ferrari has extended their gap to Mercedes after that race. It was a horrible race for Mercedes. Um, and then Perez was able to close the gap to Charles Leclerc for second place in the drivers championship uh, he's only two points behind now and um leclerc and perez are pretty far clear of russell now so barring any un uh, forecastable events yeah um it's gonna be pretty hard for russell to catch back up to leclerc and perez yeah carlos signs one point behind george russell in the drivers championship yep um it's weird i feel like it's it's strange because i feel like science has been very very consistent this year he's never been you know up one two consistently but he's always been like three four five so i don't know how he's that far behind leclerc when leclerc has been either hot or cold um he's had a a few eighth place uh ferrari strategy problems that's true. That's fair. Yeah. So I, th- I think that's the main contributor. And then Gravel at the beginning of the season was his mm, worst nightmare. Delicious that's, Gravel. Forgot about that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so overtake of the week. I gave that to Max Verstappen on Pierre Gasly going into the hairpin at Singapore. Uh, there weren't too many spectacular overtakes this uh, this week. Um, in MotoGP or F1. Uh, nothing super notable, but this one kind of stood out to me. It's kind of at a weird place on the track, um, and it uh, took kind of a dive bomb by Verstappen to get it done, so that's why I give it to him. All right. All right. Pit stop championship. Uh, we have Max Verstappen winning this week over Sergio Perez in second. So Red Bull 1-2, surprise, surprise. 
Um, but then in third, we have Sebastian Vettel. So Aston Martin continuing their good streak as Lance Stroll is in fifth. Um, I'm doing all of these out of order, but George Russell got fourth. Pierre Gasly got sixth. Uh, Leno seventh. Carlos Sainz in eighth. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo in ninth. And Mick Schumacher taking home the last point. So uh, some uh, at least one point for Haas. They haven't had a lot of points in the pit stop championship this year, so good pick up for them. Um, in terms of pit stop championship standings, nothing's really changed. Perez is still way out in front. Uh, Vettel moves up to third, passing Gasly. Um, don't think anything else too much. McLaren and Aston Martin are tied for fourth in the championship, uh, in the constructors' championship for pit stops. Um, Man, Red Bull is so far out in front. I, they have to have won the championship by now, I think, officially. There's no way they haven't. So I'm going to officially call Red Bull the pit stop champions. Uh, yeah, that's for the eviscerated. Yeah, I think, I think they'd have to screw up all of Perez's pit stops and have Max's be the fastest for the rest of the season for Max to even have a shot at taking the drivers. But, um, you know, that could happen. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, finally, we'll go over our predictions. Um, first for Singapore, then for Japan this week. Um, you want to go over yours first, Ben? Yeah. So uh, I had Verstappen winning. That didn't happen. He placed seventh. Dang it. Thought it was supposed to be a reliable win for us. But I did have Leclerc <laughs> in second. Uh, I had Russell in third, Hamilton fourth, and Sainz in fifth. And I had Alonso hopefully finishing somewhere up high, and he did not. Bummer. Um, I had Verstappen winning as well, which he did not. Uh, followed by Hamilton, Russell, Perez, and Leclerc, with my dark horse being Carlos Sainz. So that was the only one I got right, was the dark horse. I feel like we're That's starting slab. to use these dark horses as just an extra sixth spot. <laughs> Possibly. Let's start, um, start going to drivers who haven't gotten podiums this year, I think. Yeah, Dark Horse being like a... Somebody you don't expect the top to win, yet. but you hope they do. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. I mean, it's hard to not put your Dark Horse as the person who you think is going to get sixth. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. Um, yeah, maybe we could do that. Maybe like yeah. a... It has to be a driver out of the bottom ten in the championship, maybe. Bottom ten that. or hasn't gotten a podium or... It's, it's really like supposed to intended more to be like a mulligan for like maybe just maybe this person gets a podium like pierre gasly in italy in 2020 yeah yeah all right yeah we can do that in the future and um, then uh yeah fastest lap i had perez i had leclerc and it went to russell and driver of the day i had leclerc and I had DeVries, because I, <laughs> I, I was almost certain Albon was not going to make it back in time. But I was very, very, very much wrong. <laughs> so, Trevor, they went to Perez, so neither of us got that point. Well, all right. Now, we're on to some more current predictions for, well, for us, it's in about two hours. Yep, race starts in like two hours and five minutes, so. <laughs> I'm not going to watch it. I'm having friends over, actually, uh, tomorrow, so I can introduce them to F1. There you go. New TV, positive nice. experiences. So I am waiting fun. for tomorrow. But well, we I am not waiting for tomorrow. I uh, <laughs> I've got a buddy coming over in about a half hour. So oh, man, all right, <laughs> yeah, let's be fun. Yeah, I um, see you but... already got yours uh, typed in, so I'll let you go first, and then I'll rattle off mine. Yeah, think about yours. Um, my top five prediction was Verstappen winning the race, followed by Leclerc. Uh, Sainz, Russell, and Perez in fifth, and then my dark horse was Alonso. My fastest lap prediction was Max Verstappen, and my driver of the day prediction was Fernando Alonso. Okay. Um, yeah. All right, for mine, I got Verstappen in first. I have Perez second. I have Leclerc third, Russell fourth, and Hamilton fifth, and then my dark horse I'm going to put is Sebastian Vettel. I think he qualified very well. I think there's a chance. He really likes this track. He does really like this track, yeah. Uh, for a fastest lap, I'm going to give that one to 
Hamilton. I changed my mind. It's going to be Hamilton. Uh, then okay. driver of the day, I'm going to give that to Vettel because if Vettel gets anywhere close to top of the points, people are going to go absolutely mad. You're right. Yeah, it's honestly, it's probably going to go to Vettel regardless because of how much he's been in the spotlight this week. Yeah. Um, man, he just he's, he cannot stop talking about how much he loves Suzuka. Which is fair, because Suzuka's a great track. Everyone loves Suzuka. Maybe one yeah, day I'll go I, to Suzuka. I was actually, last night, I was playing Gran Turismo. Um, I watched FP3, and then I had two hours to kill until qualifying, so I did an hour and a half long endurance race at Suzuka on Gran Turismo. That <laughs> was, was pretty fun. Well, it was pretty fun for like the first 20 minutes, and then it like got really grindy and tough, because that track's really hard. And you have to um, deal with the GTAI. Yep, which is always always fun when they break like 20 meters before they're supposed to. And yep. then you rear-end them, and then your race is ruined. But, you know, that's video game problems. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so that, that kind of wraps up our episode. Uh, my voice has barely made it through it. <laughs> but here we Absolute are. Trooper. We will be recording again tomorrow, most likely, for Japan um so we'll see we'll see how that goes but i do not want to be late again on another episode we'll try to get this out this episode out by tomorrow and then hopefully the next episode out will come out on either monday or tuesday busy man i am (laughs) always um but regardless thank you everybody so much for listening to this episode of rev hang if you enjoyed it leave a like or rating on the platform you listened on it really helps us out if you'd like to follow our thoughts and opinions on the motorsport world, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at RevHangMedia. If you have any thoughts or questions about racing or even about us, post a tweet at hashtag RevHangPodcast, and we may feature your question on the next show. We'd absolutely love to interact with you guys. You can follow Ben on Instagram at BenjiMeetsWorld and or myself at 2N underscore squared. While you're at it, go check out our website, RevHang.com, where you can find a calendar of upcoming races, updated standings for the racing series we talk about, along with our terribly incorrect predictions for the F1 season. We will return in a few short days to talk about the Japanese Grand Prix at Suzuka, but until then, I have been Nathan. And I've been Ben. Thanks for hanging out, guys. See you later.